Hello and welcome to another episode of State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Dandiel. Chris, how are you doing on this freezing, frigid, frosty Thursday morning? You know, with with that alliteration there, I thought you were going to say it was Friday, and I almost got hyped off it. Uh, but but this morning's going great. How how about yourself? I was frozen like a like a popsicle. It I was underprepared. I think I need a new jacket. My jacket is just not cutting it today. Oh no! We'll get one for Christmas. Ah, uh, good call. Good call. Maybe that's what I should put on my wish list. Yeah, ask, ask Santa. So I wish it was Friday. You know, we got some big things to talk about. Which yes. we can only do on Thursday, which is our podcast day. Once it's Friday, we're off. We can't do anything. No. On Tuesday, there was a there was a pretty big game played at the Pavilion between the Wildcats and the Owls from Temple. Both were undefeated going in in Big Five play. They played what was pretty much the championship game. You could pretty much just call it that for the Big Five. Mm-hmm. And it ended just like how they've been going for the last three years. Villanova won again. The Cats beat Temple. 78 to 57 to four Pete as Big Five champions. Also, if your name is Josh Hart, Chris Jenkins, or Dale Reynolds, you get to finish your career 16 and 0, undefeated versus Big Five opponents. What are your thoughts on this, Mister? I thought Temple was going to give them a hard time. I know. I I texted you as this game was developing, and I'm like, wow, I look like a real idiot today. Uh, (laughs) I'm glad they they blew them out. I I didn't want to be right. It it shows that this team is, I guess, hyped for these types of games that, to me and you, it might not be big, but to these guys, it's big. And this 16-0 mark definitely meant something to that senior class. They didn't come out firing, though. The beginning of the game was extremely dreadful to watch just very slow it, it was brick city i thought you were right I, you know i was i was sitting there watching and i was like oh no maybe chris was up to something because <laughs> i don't know if they tightened the rims that day i don't know what was going on if the ball was a little deflated but no one was hitting their shots and it was both sides no one was hitting their shots to start this game yeah no it, i mean i had i had the game on during dinner and the way I'm positioned at the dinner table, my back is to the TV. Obviously, I can't see anything, so I'm just listening to the sounds of the game, just hoping, you know, I would hear a swish or something. But no, I just keep hearing the constant ball against the rim sound, brick, brick, <laughs> brick. <laughs> and it kind of kind of just stuck with me throughout dinner until finally finished. And by the time dinner finished, I was able to – There were people actually were making shots, so that was nice. And – that was mainly because Josh Hart started to do Josh Hart things again. The man just continues to do big. God. Oh, he's. He had four points in that first half, which by the end of it, that was that was an ugly first half on both sides. I know you could bill it as a quote-unquote defensive battle. That wasn't defensive. That wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't defense. People were putting on Twitter like, oh, Owls and Wildcats locked in a defensive battle. That was that was not. There were open no. shots on both sides, or like layups or mid rangers. They just weren't going in. Yeah, were there good defensive series on some of those? Oh, without a doubt. But when you go six for twenty four, if you're a Temple in the first half, twenty five percent. How do you only make six baskets in twenty minutes? That's, that's <laughs> horrendous. That that's not even good for middle school. No, no, it's not. <laughs> And then Nova, they did a little bit better. They went 9 of 26 in the first half. But even then, you know, 34.6%, that's that's below average. Not as bad as 25%, no. but still not ideal, especially when you're the number one ranked team in the country. Yes, and especially with a very high offensive uh, efficiency rating and quotient rating per the RPI. And, I mean, I guess the, on- the only benefit from that horrendous first half was that they're Defense got better for the advanced statistical heads. Yeah, and, you know, in the beginning, Jalen Brunson made back-to-back threes, and I was sitting there thinking, oh, man, you know, he's going to have another one of those big five, big performances. He loves playing against the Philly schools, especially Temple, like when he (laughs) dropped 25 on them last year. But then he just kind of went quiet. He just didn't shoot the ball anymore. Like, he got subbed yeah. out. Why? I didn't understand that. He played a more passive game for sure as the game developed. I think he kind of figured that – I mean, and I know Josh didn't do 
too hot in the first half and neither the Jenkins really but I think he really wanted to get both of them involved more than himself I think he maybe just wasn't feeling because of his previous injury or he just you know maybe he just didn't feel great shooting even though he came out hot I don't know it was I, I mean I'm not in that huddle we're, we're not we're definitely not in the huddle we should get we should sneak our mics in there or something yeah but, uh, Fox Sports actually just real quick Fox Sports actually did like an inside the huddle segment for like for one of the timeouts and Jay said something I I don't know what it was very very coach-esque and then Jenkins was sitting front and center nodding his head being like yep he's right boys and I'm like ah there he is he's (laughs) such like a teacher's pet when it comes to that I I, I love it yeah I I know they've done the the quote-unquote Jay Wright mic'd up things once in a while yeah but you know, they're, they're definitely not showing the whole picture. I'm sure that there are some words that are thrown in that huddle that can't be broadcast on national TV. Oh, absolutely. But I think it was coming off one of their better stretches. I think it was when they started to try to pull away in the second half. I think he said something along the lines of, uh, now that it comes to me, is we got to keep attacking. We can't let this ha- come. We can't let them back in. And, and Jenkins is just nodding his head. You're like, yep, he's right. He's right. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brunson didn't do that bad of a job going back to him. Mm-hmm. He had 13 points. Three of five from long range. Really didn't take that many shots. Six assists. So he was he was trying to get people involved. Yeah, he was the facilitator. Uh, he was playing the facilitator at this game. But Josh Hart, quiet in the first half. Four points. I can put. I can count on my fingers. Four. Yeah. But then second half rolls around, and he drops twenty two of his twenty six points. <laughs> takes over and helps Nova pull away. He's he's continuing. To look so good, oh. so good. Yeah, if you if you scratch that Lasalle game, you he's probably put put together the best three game stretch of his career. Now you got a chance against American next week. We'll touch on that a little bit later. He, it's possible he puts up another twenty five plus points. Who knows? What we got to get on that dive into the Villanova statistics. See when, when the last time someone put up twenty five plus points three games in a row. I feel like that's kind of a ESPN stat-esque thing, but I, I don't know. I feel like that would be pretty interesting. We'll hit up Sheridan and the boys. Hopefully, hopefully we can get some stats on that. Magic my Sheridan. Josh Hart, going back to what you said, if you want to look at the numbers, he scored 63 points in 71 minutes between <laughs> Tuesday and Saturday's game against Notre Dame. That's absurd. 63 points in 71 minutes. That's production that I think beat both teams the other night, honestly. Well, yeah, yeah, they definitely did. And... For the Notre Dame game, it, it it was a point per minute, I remember us saying. And then obviously it dipped a little bit here, but that's just absurd efficiency. Absurd. <laughs> We're all about our efficiency here on State of the Notre Nation. All about the efficiency. And when you're putting just under a point per minute, you're, you're doing well for yourself. W- wooden player of the year, well for yourself. If there are any doubts about Josh Hart being in contention for this award, he's just continuing to just silence all that. Mm-hmm. But going back to as the team, that defense looked really good. I mean, yeah, okay, in the first half, some of it was just Temple missing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Owls going to that game, they had one of the lowest turnover rates in the country. I believe Ken Palm had them ranked 28th overall for lowest mm-hmm. turnover rate. And they averaged just about 11 turnovers per game. But on Tuesday night, they gave it away 18 times, which Nova converted into 20 points. And if you look at the scoreboard, that that's the difference right there. It was about 21-point difference. Yeah. That was the game. Yeah, it is. It's all about taking care of the basketball. It, it doesn't mean as much as like football or something because there's many more possessions, so you're allowed to give it up here and there. But, yeah, 18 turnovers, that that's atrocious. And we we were discussing before the game the other night because we I think we just kind of ignored the topic on our last podcast that, yeah, the Temple's really good at keeping the ball in, in their hands. It was kind of similar to Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame was top in the nation, I think, at that point. Temple was only top 30, but they, they were a pretty good team at keeping the ball. And we wondered if esteemed and famous Nova was going to be able to cause any havoc. And it did. I'm surprised that Temple wasn't ready for that, to be honest with you. There's a lot of returning players who were very, who have seen this trap before. Granted, it wasn't, it was, I really don't understand how they weren't ready for it, to be honest with you. Yeah, against West Virginia, although they beat the Mountaineers, they looked vulnerable against the press, but you would think it's something that they would fix coming down the line. Like, yeah, yeah you beat a top 25 team in West Virginia. And yes, the pro- going against the press was obviously one of your weaknesses, 
why not fix it for a team that you know you see it every year? <laughs> they use the press. Yeah, Fran, Fran McCaffrey has must be having nightmares about the press every time he plays Villanova. We do it to him every time. We absolutely destroy him with that. And here we are talking about it yet again, and not being able to fix your previous mistakes. I mean, they could have. They, for all we know, they could have been working it on it in practice the entire week, and they just didn't execute. Maybe I, I think because they they were a very young team, not returning a lot of players, so I, I think that maybe had something to do with it as well. Yeah, I mean, you might want to blame your practice squad there. I don't think they have <laughs> as good of a much of a practice team. Maybe they should call up some of the guys here at Nova. They do a pretty good job. Yeah, the bench mobs. <laughs> Looking at Temple's box score, you have Obi and Nacionia six turnovers. You're a veteran. You're the top scorer. You can't turn the ball over that much. No, especially when we were deeming you Obi Wan Kenobi. I mean, come on, you, you can't put up a stat line the way he did. Just eight points, four boards, and as you mentioned, the six turnovers. That, that's your star player. You, you, to even have a shot of hanging around with the big boys, you need your star players to perform to their best and sometimes even outperform their best, and he just laid an egg. I was I was expecting him to put up some work, but he just didn't do his homework. I guess he wasn't, he wasn't paying attention during film night. No, he he slept through the session. I was looking for him the whole game. He was very, very quiet. He Honestly, I didn't know he was on the court until a few minutes in. Yeah, and, I think he made like a three, and then that was like it. That's like all I saw from him. Yeah, that was it. Faded into obscurity. Temple, they were paced by Shiz Alston Jr. That's yeah, pretty, you know, I, I, I still like that name, Shiz Alston Shiz. Jr. A lot, lot of marketing, a lot of marketing opportunities with Shiz. Yeah, yeah I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can put that on a shirt. There, there's so many things you can do with it. Yeah, Shizzle My Nizzle with, exactly. the, with the Nike go. swoosh under it. Yeah, perfect, oh, yeah. perfect shoe deal. Perfect. <laughs> there you go. You're already yeah. on it. Yeah, perfect. All right. Make me his agent. Alston had 12 points. And then the Owls got another double-digit performance from Daniel Dingle. Dingle Bells. Yeah, Dingle Bells. I forgot about him. I'm surprised we didn't mention him during our last episode, or two years ago, when the last time Nova was at, I mean, Temple was at Nova, we, we started chanting Dingle Bells whenever he was at the free throw line. They were doing it again. They were singing. They were singing it. They were? I must yes, they it. were. I missed it then. Or maybe I just didn't hear him. Yeah, he had 11 points and five boards, but honestly... The Owls just looked outclassed in that second half. That second half, that Nova team, man. When Josh Hart takes it over, and it's great that Villanova's starting to have a guy that can do this. Yeah. Everyone, hide your kids. Yeah. Hide your wife. <laughs> hide the family. The man's Josh, on a mission. Josh Hart's coming to town. <laughs> He's a pillager. And this is something that kind of is a kind of a continuing trend from last year. I mean, we were a good, obviously we were a real good team last year, but in the first half, you, there were some performances where you were kind of left scratching your head, being like, oh, why are we not ahead by more? Or why are we behind? We're going to have to play catch up again. Why don't we look like ourselves? Blah, blah, blah. But the second half, we were always a second half team. So that throughout the year, it's a continuing trend into this year because it just seems that every time there's even a hint of an upset, the second half, just we just come out guns blazing. And just like the Notre Dame game on Saturday, down by six at half what it was six or eight and we, and we ended up winning so we are a second half team for sure exactly and we're also a veteran laden team right I mean, you look at jenkins jenkins <laughs> weren't we're too happy we weren't too happy with how we did against notre dame no very very quiet mm-hmm. actually probably not that quiet because the sound of the ball hitting the rim was pretty loud clank but <laughs> He looked like the Jenkins that we all know and love. Four for six from three-point range. I feel like he hasn't been that efficient in a while. He finished with 12.6 rebounds. Looked good on defense again. Yeah. Good. Pretty. You got to be happy with it. Yeah, absolutely. I, was it him who had that stretch of like three consecutive threes that they just knocked down? I think that was actually Josh maybe. I don't know, but it just seemed like everything they were putting up for like a five-minute stretch during that game, uh, it was it was gonna it was going to go through the net. But Jenkins, uh, I think all of his field goals were the three-point variety, too. So Yeah, yeah all I, from deep. I mean, I'm, gl- I'm glad he's got his three-point stroke back, but I, I like to see him uh, create some more uh, offensively from inside the arc. But he did, he did have some, some sick assists the, the other night. He had that one pump fake, drove into the basket, and he found Eastman on a slip screen. And Eastman was able to dunk it home. That was a real nice play. I think he, and then he kind of had a similar play with Daryl as well. His pump fake is just 
world class. Yeah, one of the best in the biz. One of the Every, best. Yeah, everyone bites on it too. I think even it got Jay Bayless's attention. I think he tweeted about it the other day. He, he he's a big fan of his. So for nearly eight, the first eight minutes of the game, there were no two pointers. All the baskets from both sides were from three point range. Mm-hmm. They traded three pointers until about the eleven twenty eight mark, eleven thirty mark. Eric Pascal, who finished with 12.6 boards, had to dunk in transition to put an end to that. Chris, how did you feel about just the threes? Just the threes. Just seeing threes only for the first eight minutes of the game. Oh, I was getting flashbacks to last year of what me and Patrick used to like to call the old offense, where it was literally just everyone had the green light. Just hack it up. (laughs) And I remember you saying, hold on, hold on. We We need a new offense called yellow light. (laughs) <laughs> that, that's how I, I, I felt about that. I feel like we needed to put a, a cap on that because it, it was it was getting ugly. I, we needed to work the ball around, get it inside, get Eastman or Daryl involved somehow, some way, and they eventually did find Eastman, who has been an absolute blessing. <laughs> you know, you just remind you know you just remind me of Yellow Light. I'm so sad. I remember watching an Oklahoma game, and I was like, "That's it. I'm writing a column on how they need to stop shooting threes. This is atrocious. This is a joke." <laughs> And then literally one hour after tip-off, I think someone had the same idea from Fox or yeah. USA Today. Yeah, and it literally was. it was released an hour after a column basically saying what I wanted to say. And then mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this guy was smart. While, while I was continuing to watch the game with a sick sense of hope, he was like, nah, <laughs> it's over. Let me write this it's, column. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he definitely had that written probably just a week in advance and then was just waiting for a good opportunity to post it. And then the first half of the Oklahoma game, he's like, yeah, let me get that out. <laughs> let me beat everyone, anyone to the punch. Cause I know, cause he definitely knew that there was uh, some, some blog writer, some Villanova blog writer who uh, definitely had the idea conjuring up somewhere. <laughs> he had the inside scoop. Villanova used a nine, no run fueled by Jenkins and Hart to make it 20 to eight midway through the first half. Yells start to start to swoop back in a little bit, but Nova used another 9-0 run and a buzzer beater by Josh Hart. Excellent, excellent buzzer beater by Josh Hart to yeah. make it 29 to 16 going into the break. Yeah, it was nice to finally get get our own buzzer beater of our own, especially considering uh, Matt Farrell's on Saturday, which oof just gives me the ch- back type of chills. The the breakout. On that last possession of the first half was great. Jalen got it off the rebound, dribbled up court, faked one way, gave it to Josh, and then Josh basically did a reverse of some sorts to slay it in before the buzzer. It was a real nice play, and our our transition offense is very, very good, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, I really like it. Those guys are out. The second they get the ball, yeah. like off a steal or rebound, they're out. It's like Harlem Globetrotters esque, honestly. <laughs> Every everyone just go to the rim and just go for the best. Yeah, my, minus the stunts and the crazy handles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah, but, <laughs> sometimes you get something of that variety, but yeah, there it's the attacking mentality that we that this team possesses, and I love it. And then the second half, just like you said before, man, they they would look like a different team. They they mm-hmm. exploded on offense. They pushed their lead as high as 28, but it was honestly smooth sailing to that buzzer finish and another big five title. Yeah, it was so smooth of his finish that we even got to see Tim Delaney and Dylan Painter. The new bench mob. (laughs) Or members of the new bench mob. Members of the new bench mob, yeah. Was that Tim Delaney's first game in a Nova uniform? Yes, I... Yes, it was, because remember, he was out for a little while because of his hip, and the games have been kind of close, so he didn't be able to check in. Yeah, so he finally got some burn in a Nova uniform, which was very nice to see. Yeah, always good to see him finally get that start. I know he's been waiting a long, long time for this. Yeah, he has. So, after the game, Josh Hart said, quote, It's humbling. We know the great tradition of the Big Five. It has great teams every year. Nah. 10, 20, 30 years down the line, maybe we'll look back at it, and it'll be a pretty cool thing to think about. Then that's what he said after the game. What do you think about Josh Hart's statement? How significant is another Big Five title? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's too significant. I think the 16-0 and thing is more significant than the title itself. I mean, I guess that kind of goes hand in hand, but... Yeah, first first class ever to go sixteen and zero. That that's that's crazy. 
you think of all the great senior classes that Villanova has produced over the past years. You had the Scotty Reynolds, Reggie Redding class. You had the Corey Fisher, Corey Stokes senior class. You had the Dante Cunningham, Shane Clark, Dwayne Anderson class. Those guys couldn't even go 16-0 and against the Big Five. And some of those teams back then, they those other Big Five teams were pretty bad themselves. So this this is pretty significant. This this is something that they'll be able to you know take to their grave and just you know around the streets of Philly just have a little bit of more bragging rights for sure. Heck, even Arch and Chef couldn't even do it. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's just my New York roots. I think it's because I didn't fully understand the Big Five until I got there. I didn't even know it existed until I got there. Mm-hmm. But I I definitely got well well acquainted very quickly. I think it's cooler that they went sixteen to zero. But everything else, like a Big Five title. Like, come on. If we, you, got, you had to beat these teams. You just had to. Like, yeah. an advanced version of the Charleston Classic. Mm-hmm. You had to beat these teams. I agree. Yeah, I, I even hinted at it last episode. I'm just like, I'm from New Jersey. I don't, I don't get this. <laughs> this is all foreign to me, to be honest with you. Yeah, they got a national title on their hands. I'm sure that's cooler. A Big East tournament title is cooler. But I, it's definitely awesome to be able to say that you were the first and so far the only class to have gone 16-0 throughout your four years. That's actually pretty cool. I'll yeah. give them that. I'll give, I'll give them props for that. Yeah. Which I guess goes hand-in-hand hand with four-peating. Right, exactly. I mean, and you're beating out some of the best senior classes that this school has ever produced. So. I also wanted to go over how Kyle Lowry, Daniel Ochefu were both in the house on Tuesday night. And work. Kyle Lowry was honored at a timeout. They had his Team USA jersey, had a little ceremony for him. The villain was rocking. <laughs> then they showed Daniel Ochefu on the Jumbotron or the big screens. Got it rocking even more. It just needed a Ryan Archie Diakono. And the place would have just exploded right then and there. Yeah, the, the roof might have... Uh came actually came off the pavilion and then that means we could have gotten a new arena or started the renovations a little bit quicker but yeah that where where was arch why was arch not there is he in austin d-league yeah no he is i know he's on the d-league team for the spurs but i just wasn't sure if he'd be off because they don't play as many games as they do in the nba no they don't i didn't realize oh he's actually on the d-league team i thought he got cut He he got cut from the Actual Spurs. Why? I guess the Wizards and Raptors both had off, or was one in the area to play the Sixers? I think the Raptors were in town. Okay, and then Chef kind of had the night off. You know, one might have been off, or the Wizards were recently in town like a couple of days before. I'm not sure exactly how it worked out, right. but it was actually pretty cool to have them there. And it got me thinking, I was, man, how come Kyle Lowry never popped in? And then I just realized, I guess the schedule just never aligned. It would have been cool to right. see him while we were there. Yeah, never did. We got Joakim Noah and Jimmy Butler, though, somehow. <laughs> I don't know how that was possible, but they showed up. Yeah, they <laughs> showed up. Year. They were sitting courtside. Uh, Randy Ford came a couple years ago. But yeah, I mean, it would have been awesome to see Kyle Lowry. Something that, I don't know, a lot of schools don't really do. Well, Kyle only graduated. Oh, he didn't graduate. He left after two years. He never graduated with a degree from Villanova. And the fact that Villanova still acknowledges his presence and still honors him in the way they do is, is a pretty cool sight to see. Because there are, there are some schools out there that if you don't graduate, you are it's like you don't exist. They shun you. Yeah. They did that with uh, Davidson. Does that with Steph Curry? They haven't even retired his number because he, he didn't technically graduate. Pretty sad. Like Thanks. I get that you're trying to say that you're a student athlete, but come on. At what point? Yeah. At what point is do you finally eclipse that barrier? I kind of feel like when you're two-time MVP, you you should have the authority to tell the school, please retire my number. It's okay if I didn't graduate yet. I I stayed there for three years at least. Yeah, and Villanova has an online program. Or and I'm you know I I'd like to think Davidson does too. Maybe you can yeah. help him get his degree that way. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I mean, really, come you don't on. have to sever the ties. Come on. I mean, I, I exactly. There's no need to burn bridges over missed classes. Because I'm sure Kyle Lowry gets calls from a six one zero area code number just like I do, asking for money. <laughs> yes, and I'm sure his donation questions are deal with much higher monetary values. <laughs> just just a significant amount more. One reporter tweeted how they saw Mark Jackson talking it up with Kyle Lowry, wondering if uh, what kind of questions were asked right there. Will you be willing to fund a D1 single A football program by yourself? Uh, Mark, I don't have that money. <laughs> how does the sound of the Lowry locker room, does that appeal to you? <laughs> 
Yeah, that that would be pretty funny. If that if that if that happens now, we got to say we called it. <laughs> we should we, we should have our own thing in the new pavilion or the renovated pavilion. We should have like a plaque, vubenchbob.com. <laughs> yeah, the, the Lowry locker room sponsored by VU Benchbob. <laughs> <laughs> what if we had our own tournament? What if we had our own like a mid-season tournament, the VBenchwab.com classic? Oh, I'd be so down. We're the Villanova's the host, and we can just get a bunch of little boy schools, just like the Charleston classic, just to roll what through. What, we have to call Mark Jackson and ask him what is the minimum act that we need to do to get featured anywhere in the new pavilion. I don't know. Maybe maybe we have to tweet out something that gets about what was it, twenty-five retweets, seventy-five likes, like you did the other day. <laughs> Yes, yes, on a controversial topic that we'll get to yeah. in an, a few seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but first, Villanova takes on American next Wednesday. That's a while from now, so we're, we're going to preview the game next episode. But in the meantime, the American Eagles are currently 2-7. and seven. They're going to have one game against Maryland Eastern Shore. Shout out to a, an old former Villanova cupcake. Yep. This Monday, before coming to the Villian on Wednesday. Give me a percentage here. From 1 to 100, how concerned are you for the Eagles? <laughs> this is like the Ken Palm percentage, win percentage thing. I'll, I'll give American a solid 3%. <laughs> See, uh, I looked up Ken Palm, what Ken Palm gave him the other day, and I think it was like 0.3%. <laughs> oh, not even a full percentage point. That's, that's hell. Ouch. Yeah. I would say my level of concern is probably around there. Yeah, it's 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 extremely low, and for good reason. This should not be an issue. This isn't the 2009 NCAA tournament. Villanova three seed, American fourteen seed, and American gives Villanova everything they can handle. Dana O'Neill was on Sports Center. She loves her cats. Has a book around them coming out soon at some point. Gotta check back when that's coming out. But mm-hmm. she was on Sports Center, reporting live from the pavilion, covering the game. ESPN, they were asking her a few questions, talking about some stuff. I wasn't really paying attention until I heard this. Now, the Sports Center anchor asked her, despite being undefeated and being the defending national champion, why does it feel like Villanova isn't getting the attention they deserve? I saw, I heard that. I heard that. And I think I texted everyone. I think I texted everyone. I went through my work chats. I asked if anyone just heard what I just heard on ESPN. Someone uh, someone tweeted it on the VU Benchmob account. So I knew someone was listening. <laughs> <laughs> and before I go into this, what, what, what did you think about that? Because I know I messaged you about it too. I mean, my, my thoughts on it are basically what the Benchmob tweeted out. How, what, what do you think? Why do you think we don't get the attention we deserve? <laughs> Please, give me a good reason. Like Tell I me get, why. I, I get the whole business thing. I get the politics behind it. And yes, Fox Sports 1 is not innocent of this too. They also, you know, they hype up the Big East mm-hmm. and they don't hype up the teams that they don't watch or that they don't cover. However... How do you call yourself the worldwide leader in sports and just pretend to not know that the number one team exists? You can change this. You can literally change this. You can talk about them. This is just as bad as Nick Saban being asked, what did you think about the election the day after? And what did he say? Oh, I didn't know there was an election. That's a lie. <laughs> That's a lie. That's the- <laughs> you can only feign ignorance for so long before you just sound ridiculous. ESPN, you can't pretend that Villanova is not there. I understand now I've seen a lot more of their stuff on SportsCenter or on College Game Day. I've seen some Villanova talk. However, what? You can't, you're going to ask that question? Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? Like, come on. It's just, it's just absurd. And I, and I was kind of going back and forth with you the other night. I, I kind of feel I, – I don't, I don't know if I like this now. I don't know if, if I like that we're getting the attention now that we deserve because I always wanted to hate ESPN. Hating ESPN was the – like, you know, something everyone could rally behind. It was it gave us more of an underdog mentality too. And the fact that we always got shunned by them or 
whenever they put out a bracketology, they would always follow it up with a video of, is, is this the year a number one loses? And then it's also the first week we are listed as a one seed. No coincidence there, right? It, it's just, it, it's just absurd. They, they had to stop and, it, it's the reason why the NBA has taken off so significantly as well, because they have their TV deal and that's what they hype up. Um, they don't even hype up the NFL that much anymore outside of the Monday night game, which they also coincidentally have the TV deal for. I mean, you, you can only go, you can only keep your head in the sand for so long. And like you said before, it just sounds ridiculous. They, they're just, they, they suck. <laughs> Kevin Nagandi is an ESPN reporter. After the Nova Temple game, he tweeted out, quote, Josh Hart is player of the year good. Anyone that knows me knows how hard it is to write this, but Nova is no joke. Deep spring run ahead. What do you think about Mr. Nagandi's tweet? Um, thanks, Captain Obvious. And I'm also assuming that the, the part where he says anyone who knows me, that's hard to write. I'm assuming he went to Temple then. He is a Temple alum, but he also works for ESPN. So it's like... If you had to put a percentage, if you had to take... Oh, I didn't even like, think of it like that. If you had to like, <laughs> you know, how much of it is because you're a temple guy and how much of it is because of your employer? Oh, God, I, I completely ignored that. Uh, let's go with 50-50. <laughs> but That's I like, convenient. It is a convenient double entendre. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I, I do like I do like Kevin. I like him as a I like him as a sports anchor, and he's and now that the way they just churn out anchors now, he's actually one of the more tenured ones. Yeah, so. he is, and he is he is a pretty funny guy. I do like I do like his personality on air. Yeah, he's not like Jay Crawford, where you think he's a literal puppet out there getting run by the ESPN kids. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he, he he's a good guy. So I'll, I'll I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, and that he actually meant Temple and not. Not the employer side of things. Now, obviously, a lot of people were unhappy. They didn't realize his temple roots. So they mm-hmm. were tweeting at this. They were <laughs> they tweeted back at Kevin Nagandi, basically mm-hmm. giving him the whole flack thing, like, oh, you work for ESPN, you hate us, blah, blah, blah. He responded to some of them, but this one stuck out to me. He He's tweeted out, quote, the laughing, crying face four times. Mm-hmm. Then he said, hate to break it to you, but never heard one person say a bad thing about this Nova run at ESPN because of that. End quote. How much do you buy this? <sighs> Hold on, let me let me gather myself. Yeah, that's that's no, he's wrong. He some someone in that Bristol office definitely said something along the lines of, "Oh, Villanova gets it done during March. Oh, Villanova is not really a one seed this year. Oh, Villanova is not really a two seed this year. Oh, the Big East is in a good conference." Oh, the Big East doesn't exist. It's not. It shouldn't be taken seriously. Come on, don't don't be don't be like that. Unless he actually is ignorant about the whole thing, and literally everyone he talks to just doesn't have any idea what's going on in college basketball. Maybe he doesn't talk to the college basketball department. I don't know. I don't know what goes on in Bristol. There's some crazy things that go on there, but uh, maybe that's one of them. But some he has to have known someone who said something bad, and also the fact that. Maybe you know what? And even if they didn't say anything bad about Villanova, they definitely never talked about Villanova or ignored Villanova, which and therefore is disrespect. So, yeah, there's just there's just no possible way someone kept all the hot takes off the table and did not make mention of Villanova being a bad team at any point. Do you think that they show new employees as part of training? Anti-Big East and Villanova propaganda videos. Oh, absolutely. It's like, uh, yeah, it's it's a brainwash sesh before you have to get hired. Absolutely. The do's and don'ts of SportsCenter anchoring. Do's, talk about LeBron's breakfast. Don'ts, talk about, don't talk about the Big East. I don't know. I think I, I'm leaning towards giving Kevin Nagandi the benefit of the doubt. I I would love to think that these people aren't idiots. I don't know. I, I, don't, I just don't understand how you could be in the sports world or be in sports media and think Philadelphia's bad or that they're trash or that the Big East Conference is trash because they're killing it right now. They're, their record right now the, between the top six teams in the Big East Conference surpasses a lot of the others in the top five, in the power five. Yeah, we also have three teams in the top five of the RPI. There you go. <laughs> Four are ranked. 
We're right. Yeah, it's it's nuts what this I, conference is doing right now. I don't think – I think off the air, they're definitely like, oh, yeah, I put Villanova on my bracket to go to the Final Four, or I have them go to the national championship. Right. But on the air, it's a whole other story. It's like who's overrated or who's a pretender? And then who's plastered on, on – who's plastered on the leading image of that article? Jay Wright or Josh Hart <laughs> or someone from Villanova. Or people who say, oh, I don't trust Villanova. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. So you're saying there's a there's a difference between on-air and off-air mentalities. I, I think that, like you and I, we say some things off the air that we do not say on the air. And I oh, think true. that they take the Big East Conference and Villanova as a part of that category. Yeah. You know what? I'll, I'm going to – I'll go with you on that. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, I mean, I would love to <laughs> hope that they don't think that the Big East is a joke. Mm-hmm. I understand that they have to talk about some things other than the other, but I, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm just putting faith in them. I think some people listening right now think that I'm being naive and trusting them this much, mm-hmm. but I, I just don't think that everyone in that corporation just thinks that they're trash. I, I wouldn't say that they don't think. I wouldn't say they think they're trash. I would say that they just don't think they're as good as advertised. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you think this team's bad, then you're just, then you're just, that, then, okay, just, yeah, that's then you're, then you're reaching one of their uh, former employee levels that, that is currently employed by Fox sports one and has his own terrible hot take show. Apparently the ratings are really good for that one. No, they're apparently terrible. Oh, okay. They, they, they drew less people than the bubble guppies on Nickelodeon. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad he's uh, doing really well over there for those of you who don't understand it Skip Bayless yeah but yeah I just don't see all of the college basketball experts just sitting around in a giant conference room all thinking like yeah yeah you know what you're right they are they are overrated I don't trust them <laughs> we're all in agreement here <laughs> yeah, and then they all shake each other's hands and go on to their next meeting. <laughs> is Marcus Page God? Is Mar- <laughs> find out next. Which shot was better, the Marcus Page one or the Chris Jennings one? <laughs> we understand Josh Hart dropped thirty-seven, but Grayson Allen dropped thirty-five and gave a water bottle to a teammate who was thirsty. <laughs> oh yeah, I completely forgot about the overhyping of the ACC too. Oof, that's a whole other story for another day, though. Well, that, that's a that's a March Madness tournament time kind oh, of conversation. Yeah, yeah. Just like how ESPN, yeah, like how ESPN directed that half of the Elite Eight teams would be ACC teams, just so that they have talking points in March. So one thing ESPN also hyped up, which I was honestly surprised that they were talking about this. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I was I didn't know that this was even happening or that it was going to happen. But Raleigh Massimino, I'm sure you know who he is. Just mm-hmm. some guy who coached at Villanova around 85. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. He's still kicking it. You know, he's coaching down in Florida for Kaiser University. Used to be known as Northwood, but now they are the Kaiser University Seahawks. His team went for his 800th win as a coach last night against Trinity Baptist, and they blew him out. Yeah. They blew them out. Mm-hmm. The Seahawks just destroyed them. Yeah, it was utter domination. It was like, what, like 76, 46, something like that. Um, yeah, they were leading by over 20 points at half. Yeah, I was even, I was even watching the tail end of it just because I wanted to see if they did anything for Raleigh of significance. And they had this one kid from Australia who I guess is like their – bench mob equivalent and he dropped like 11 points in like five minutes it was crazy <laughs> every, every everyone was getting real hyped for it i'm like oh my god this is this is nuts are, are they gonna forget about raleigh's win and, and the announcer the, the announcer was like oh and at the end the announcer as kaiser inbounded the ball as they're up 30 plus points they there was like 28 second shot the 28 seconds left on the sh- on the on the clock 
they bring the ball up court and the guy's like, you know, they, they can hold for the last shot here, but, you know, they don't have to really shoot it, you know. I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on? What am I watching? <laughs> but, yeah, congrats to Raleigh. This is this is a great achievement. He's in uh, great company along with Bayheim and uh, Coach K is the only active coaches with uh, 800 wins. It's it's truly a sight to behold, especially after, you know, kind of taking stepping aside from, from the game for a little bit after he went to UNLV. But he, he seems to have found a real home in Florida and seems to be doing well. And his teams down there have been really pretty good over the past few years. I think they made the championship one year a few years ago. So Yeah, yeah, I think he came in just kind of half serious or, you know, it kind of was like, oh, this is an NAIA school. Gets to take it easy, soak up the sun down here in Florida. Right. But he actually made them legit contenders. Yeah, he did. He took something and made it. Um, took nothing and made it into something. Still got that magic touch. Yeah, he does. He really does. Good, good for him. I'm, I'm happy to see this. Yeah, congratulations to Mr. Massimino, who's got 800 wins. And he's also only one of two coaches who's reached the mark after the age of 80. Oh. So he's still he's still kicking. He's still kicking. Mm-hmm. Well, we haven't done this in a while. But we've got some mail. First question is from Thomas. Thomas. He wants to know if Nova's success continues. Will more programs lend more credence to the four-year model as opposed to Coach Cal's one-and-done routine like they do in Kentucky? Hmm. I, why don't you take this one first? Now, I got to finally see Kentucky in person <laughs> last Sunday at the Brooklyn Hoops Winter Festival at the Barclays Center. And let me tell you something. That is a scary team. They're like machines over there. I don't know what it is. They... They don't care about – they just literally eat, sleep, breathe basketball. Yeah, it's like Ivan Drago from Rocky. Yes. It's just a yes. well-oiled machine. <laughs> Coach Cal literally said, I'm glad that finals will be done on Wednesday so that we can only focus on basketball. <sighs> so, much, so much for that whole student-athlete thing. Can you imagine Jay saying that, like, I can't wait for finals to be done. That way the academics are out of the way for a little bit. <laughs> I think he'd be fired. <laughs> Jeez. While Villanova is making the four-year model work, unfortunately, I don't see more teams going that route. I mean, mm-hmm. I would say if you're not a blue blood, yes. I mean, obviously, you have no other choice. You have to develop guys. But these one and dones, a lot of them are looking to go to the NBA right away. They're NBA-ready talents. And when you have a bunch of those guys on a team, you, you're, the regular season to you just becomes the preseason for the quote-unquote actual season, which is the NCAA tournament, because that's where you that's where you're looking to make your money, right? And it's just hard to see a lot of these top-tier programs go back to the four-year model because you want to win now. Why would you wait? Why would you wait a few more years, let guys develop when you can just take in? five-star, four-star talents who will probably be around for one or two years and then just make a run at a title every year. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just simple. Uh, find your guys and then re- replace them, push, and then they play for a year, push them out the door, and you get guys who are better or, or just as good and just do the same thing over and over again. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, we've discussed this ad nauseum before, but – I, I don't I don't I hate the one and done thing. I don't like it. I it, as a fan, if like if I was a fan of Kentucky, yeah, I would love the winning, but at the same time you really can't get attached to these players. You don't really like form a fondness for the team or for like you know, like if if let, let's say like for like Duke, like Jahil Okafor wins a championship with you for one year and now he goes to the NBA. Like do you really feel like he was like a Duke Blue Devil, like I don't, I don't know, like like you don't take pride in saying that he went to Duke. If I was a, if I was a Duke fan, I, I I don't know, like if I like I see like Kyle Lowry doing great. I know he only was here for two years, and 
Randy Foy early on in his career when he was doing well. Um, like you, you were pr- you're proud that those guys are went to Villanova. You know, you you said that oh they played for us for four years, they did so well with us. Um, so I guess from a fan side, I'd rather see the four year model, but I just I just don't see everyone succumbing to that. I think just for some programs, it just works better that way, but there will always be a one and done arms race and it will always be between Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, and, and to a lesser extent, UNC and some of, uh, some of the other big blue, uh, blue blood programs out there. As a fan, definitely you like the four year model or let the guys stay as long as you can. Cause like you said, it, you know, you grow attached to the players, or you you know, you get excited for them. You watch them grow. Mm-hmm. They go through college with you, or maybe you're an alumni and you get to see these guys play for four years, as opposed to the one year mercenaries who are there. They help you get, yeah, they help you get your title, and then you say bye, and then it's like, oh, I'm starting to get used to the new guy who's a uh, who's a uh, Bam Adebayo. Yeah. Oh wait, we still have Isaiah Briscoe. He didn't leave. Oh, where's <laughs> Where's uh, where's the other guy? Oh, he left already. Oh, I thought he'd be back. You, you just, you know, there's like no heart to it. Right. There's no heart. I don't know what it is, but I feel like there's no passion in that. No, there isn't. And yeah, it's just constant roster turnover. And as a coach, I would, I would hate that. The fact that you have to constantly recruit just to make sure that you have a full roster for next year because some of these guys are going to be. Most of your guys are going to be heading out the door year in and year out. And it's just like, it's just a revolving door of really good players that may or may not be good. Like you see, and, and the one and done model in the past years has shown that like some of these top end prospects don't work out. Cliff Alexander comes to mind for Kansas and another Kansas project, uh, as we discussed a few episodes ago, Cheek Diallo. Like these are top end guys that you think are going to come in, replace the ones who left before. And they're, they're nothing. They, they don't turn out to be anything, and they're busts. So it's a very risky proposition as well because if you're going out for these one-and-done guys and they don't turn out to be what they are, you're, you're kind of screwed. And another example I just thought of, with Kentucky, we were talking about the other night as well, uh, Dakari Johnson and Daniel Orton. They were top 10 recruits coming in for Coach one of Coach Cal's uh, first big classes, and they were busts, and they had no inside presence outside of Boogie. <laughs> It's, I you know, and other guys that come to mind for me, Tyus Jones, yeah. Tyler Ennis. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it works at college. Like, it definitely works when you have five-star talents. Obviously, in college, you can make it work. But for some of those guys, a lot of those guys, they go to the NBA, and they're, it's just a whole different beast. Right. But it's just, I'd prefer the four-year model as a fan. I get the appeal. I think winning is always fun. Winning never gets old. But it's just – there's just not as much passion. There's not as much fun in it. I agree. Build, building something from, from the bottom up is, is something you could take more pride in than just, yeah, getting your one-year mercenaries and somehow coming out with a title. Buying an unlimited phone plan so that you can call people all the time. <laughs> right. The next question is from Tim Keegan. He asked, who is the most influential bench player right now for the Cats? Um, Mikael Bridges. <laughs> well, he's a, he's a starter now, Chris. Oh, right. Phil Booth. He's on, oh, wow. Injured Phil Booth over yeah. everybody. Over everyone. Yeah, Phil's that important. I hate to say it because like, I'll be honest. I was not a big Phil Booth fan last year. I don't know how anyone could be last year after his performance. Terrible Outside season. Outside of the national championship game. Outside. Right, yeah. I, given that, yes, there was a caveat to that. But he, I think he, I'm pretty sure he had the worst three-point field goal percentage in the Big East last year. And I think he also had a bottom five field goal percentage last year. I know he had the injury, and I know he had mono and whatever else he had. He, he had a smorgasbord of stuff. He was – but he was not very good. But this year, I think his absence is missed. And I know Dante's trying, but he cannot be the number two guy off the bench when it comes to guards. We need Phil back. 
and that's why he 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 is the most influential pledge player right now. I would say absence makes the heart grow fonder, especially with Phil Booth, who's missed eight games now, mm-hmm. and it's not looking too good. It, they're saying he might miss a couple or a game or two going to Big East play. Oh, really? Yeah, I've I've heard reports that they're not even sure if he'll be ready for then either. Oh boy! But that Notre Dame game, I think that's when it occurred to me. I was like, wow! If yeah. Phil Booth was on the floor, healthy, this game would look very different. Yep, same here. And but I feel, I feel bad for never for not liking Phil for a little bit. You're going. <laughs> if we're not going to look at Phil, I would say there's also a little bit of a Dodge Ferry bias. The most influential player off the bench is Eric Pascal. I mean, he's a 6'6 six, six or 6'7 six, forward who can pretty much guard or play at any of the positions. He's got the foot speed to beat out the bigger guys. He's got the size to eat up the smaller guys. Very versatile. Not really a big fan of his three-point shooting. <laughs> but every time he gets the ball, he's always looking to slam it down. And I like that. I like that. Yeah, it's someone who actually goes up strong on this team, which is, which is, you know, we don't really have much of that. <laughs> we we haven't really had much of that for the last four years. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Chef kind of developed a strong mentality under the basket last year, but a lot of finessing. Yeah, a lot yeah. of like hook shots from yeah. Chef, which you know, which, which were great at sometimes. Like senior, his senior year, I felt like every hook shot he took kind of kind of went in, but. Yeah, finally getting some uh, underneath basket dunks. Not always looking to kick it out. You know, go back up with a big fella. Get draw a foul. Get to the line. I like that mentality. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to State of the Nova Nation and for subscribing on iTunes or on Podomatic. If you haven't done so already, it's free. Also, don't forget to check us out at viewbenchmob.com, Villanova News Sports updates and also follow us on the twitter sphere at view benchmob or you can follow me eugene repay at erepay5 and you can follow me chris danzial at the stands man nova nation happy thursday if you're taking finals just know that each day is a day closer to going home